Good morning. Welcome to the Church of the Palms. I am Charlene Nowak. For 17 years, I've been a Sunday school teacher and a tutor in our congregation. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. As we prepare for worship, let us bow our heads in prayer. Fill us, gracious God, with the sense of your abiding presence. Awaken our spirits to realities unseen. Turn us from dullness of our fear-filled grasping for security and help us to live with trust in you. Expand among us such mutual regard and encouragement as will build up community and lead us to live in the light. May faith and love dominate all our relationships as we enter into the joy of serving in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, as we worship together, may our hearts receive his Holy Spirit, may his ears listen to his word, and our voices be raised in praise to the glory of God. Amen. Thank you. 
please stand for the call to worship. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the peoples, but the Lord will arise upon you, and his glory will overshadow you. Nations shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. Let us worship God. Jesus is unique in all the world because he atoned for our sin by his death on a Roman cross in space and time and history, and then rose from the dead and was seen alive again by over 500 witnesses. As a result of what he's done for us, we do not have to try to earn our way to heaven. In loving response to what he has done, God simply asks that we repent, believe, and follow Jesus. So let us bow our hearts and go before his throne of grace in faith and confidence and confess our sins together. Let us pray. We are reluctant to face your judgment, all-knowing God. We know we have not fully invested the talents you have entrusted to us. We hide them and hoard them, retreating into a false sense of security. We live in the nighttime of self-protection rather than in the light of full participation in loving, faithful service. We seek to escape you by shrinking from life 
rather than investing ourselves in the tasks to which you call us. Have mercy on us, O God. We want to be children of the day, your day. In Jesus' name, amen. Forgiveness is not offered lightly or superficially. Our reconciliation with God was costly to him, but absolutely free to all who recognize their spiritual poverty and seek new life in Christ. There is great rejoicing in heaven when sinners seek forgiveness and turn to serve the living God. Friends, believe the good news of the gospel. with followers of Jesus across the globe and down through the ages, let us state what we believe using the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. And now let us all show Jesus' love as we greet our neighbors. Good morning. good morning welcome to worship here at church of the palms we are glad that the good lord has brought us together here this morning from all sorts of places i'm sure in the world we're especially grateful if you're here uh, for the first time and perhaps you've come to us from a long distance away and we are glad that you are a part of our life here together this morning and perhaps you've been here for many many years and we love the opportunity to bring everybody together in much, many different ways, not only in our greeting, but after worship, we invite you to come underneath the tree where we'll have opportunities for you to think about in terms of ministry and also a chance for you to have some fellowship on a beautiful day. We uh, encourage you to fill out the friendship paths which are in the pews and pass those along to your neighbor. 
and hopefully you'll recognize somebody there that you don't know and uh, that you will make a point to welcome them into our life. You can tell all the people this morning from Wisconsin, they have gloating smiles on their faces <laughs> as they brought a victory, as they brought defeat to my beloved Michigan Wolverines. So <laughs> pray for them to have humility <laughs> and to be merciful to their pastor. We had a wonderful uh, homeless sleepover. If you go into the uh, courtyard uh, after our worship, you'll see a bunch of cardboard boxes. Every year, we invite our students to experience, uh, to some degree, the experience of homelessness by sleeping outside under the stars and cardboard boxes and to be, over the course of the evening, to be made aware of the issues that are surrounding uh, homelessness here in Sarasota, which is a rising problem, and we'll be talking a little bit about that in a moment, but uh, you'll note that, and we're grateful for our ministry of two students and that leadership that helps them to be aware of those things. We have an opportunity to gather together with our dear friends at uh, Temple Sinai over uh, next door. Every, every Thanksgiving Eve, we gather together for worship. This time we'll be over there as their guests, and we'll have a reception at five o'clock on Wednesday evening, and then a service at six o'clock, at which I will be delivering the message, and we would love to have you come and join us. It's really a highlight, one of the highlights of our season to be together with our brothers and sisters there and to have the chance to give thanks to God, to our common God. So please uh, join us for that. A bunch of things that we look forward to as we head into the Advent season, which is only two weeks away. Our Messiah concert is on December the 9th at 4 p.m. We'll have the music of Christmas every Wednesday during the Advent season, starting on November the 29th. And uh, you won't want to miss that over in the chapel. And then uh, we'll having our Christmas pageant on December the 2nd. So all, these inf all this information is in, your, uh, is in your bulletin, and we hope that you'll pay attention to that. After the service, we also not only invite you to go out underneath the tree, but if you are looking for gifts for your grandchildren or children, our ECC Early Childhood Center is hosting a book fair underneath the tree. So you might want to go take a look at that and perhaps find the best uh, children's book titles there and uh, buy some to support the uh, great ministry of our Early Childhood Center, as well as to uh, get yourself some early Christmas gifts for your family. Uh, we are uh, delighted to have the opportunity today to uh, participate in supporting our food pantry. I mentioned just a minute ago about the issue of homelessness, and uh, the homelessness and hunger go hand in hand. And hung hunger is an increasing problem here in Sarasota. Consider this one fact, 52% of children in Sarasota County are on free or reduced lunch at their elementary schools. Consider this fact that our nearby Wilkinson Elementary School, over 80% of the children are on free or reduced lunch. Consider the fact that for many of those children, lunchtime at their school is not only the best meal, but in some respects, the only meal they get for the day. Thus, we have a food pantry here at Church of the Palms, and thus we are given the opportunity to support families and people in our community by handing out a bag of groceries every five minutes, 30 hours over the course of the week, six hours each day. And we get to support 35 households each day with, two, with bags of groceries that will support them for two days, just as a supplement to their diet. So there's a huge problem here, and I'm grateful to have Rebecca Barnes, who is uh, here with us today from uh, the national headquarters of the Presbyterian Church USA. Come on up, Rebecca. And Rebecca has uh, been with us this weekend. We have hosted a hunger workshop yesterday, a hunger roundtable, to talk about the issues of hunger and our needs here. There's your microphone. Uh, and our needs here in Sarasota County, and Rebecca has been very helpful to give us a bigger picture of what our concerns are and how it is that we can better address them. So, Rebecca, welcome. It's good to have you here. Thank you. And Great tell us a little bit here. about your, your role as uh, the coordinator of the Presbyterian Hunger Program. Sure. Thank First, I wanted to say thank you. It has been a delight to be here and to learn about the extensive ministries this church is doing. Uh, part of what I get to do as part of the national staff of the Presbyterian Church USA is travel and see 
Presbyterian churches in all parts of the country. And it is such an honor to be with you, to learn especially about the food pantry ministry, which is absolutely vital in this community. It's inspiring, it's faithful ministry, and it's a story I will now get to tell when I travel to other churches. So I appreciate that. So I am as part of the national staff bringing you greetings from Louisville, Kentucky, which is the denomination's headquarters. And in that special place, there are folks working to prepare each general assembly, to prepare seminary students, to uh, work with sending missionaries across the world. And I am blessed to work in the Presbyterian Hunger Program as part of the Compassion and Peace and Justice Ministries of the church. And in the Hunger Program, we work uh, alongside local churches, to meet hunger needs in local communities as well as across the country and around the world, particularly looking at root causes. Why are people are hungry? And are there things we can do as Presbyterians to participate in solving both the immediate needs that people need to eat today, those kids need that meal today, um, but also what can we do to stop more and more kids from getting hungry? Um, so we are able to participate in all those ways and are very thankful. Great, thank you. Um, so tell us a little bit about uh, the role of a food pantry, a local food pantry at a church like ours, and what uh, link that plays in the whole issue of responding to hunger. Yeah, local churches are an essential piece of meeting hunger around the world. We just know that it can't happen without a local church discerning the need. Uh, you know best your local community, this local context. And so a local church doing a food pantry ministry the way you do uh, has to be a part of solving hunger. And as I learned yesterday in the meeting, some of the things that were just told about the food pantry, you're the only church in Sarasota that is open as many hours as you are. Um, the food pantry itself has reduced waste uh, from 60-some percent to 16 percent. There are children involved, which means you are growing a whole new generation in compassion and generosity and caring for neighbors. And as we work, in other aspects to do good development work around the world, to work on education and um, income disparities and other things that are root causes of hunger. Uh, local churches like yours are feeding people today, which is essential. Great, thank you. And tell us just real briefly, you'll be over in the chapel at 1015. All of our adult education classes are invited to go to hear Rebecca to talk a little bit more about the issues of hunger. You wanna just sort of touch on a couple yeah, highlights? Yeah, sure. I, I have a few pictures to share about the projects that we're involved in across the country and around the world as Presbyterians working on hunger. And I'll share some stories and also uh, share about how hunger connects to other ministries of the church. Um, so invite anybody who's willing and able to come join me in that conversation. Great, thank you, Rebecca. Yes, thank you. Give Rebecca a round of applause. We um, are receiving our food pantry offering today, as I mentioned, and um, with, with some wonderful news that our, our foundation here at Church of the Palms is challenging our congregation dollar for dollar a matching gift uh, for every dollar we receive in our offering, they will match it per dollar up to $20,000. So it's a great challenge for our congregation to come forward and to address this particular issue. We invite you to use the offering envelopes that are in the pew. If you can't find one, there will be some available for you as you make your way out the door. You can contribute uh, today, you can contribute over the course of this week, over the next couple of weeks, but we would be grateful for you to, um, to find a way by which to help us to address this very vital issue here in our community. Now I'd like to invite our new members to come forward to be received into membership. Come on up, good looking crew here. We uh, received these good folks into membership just this past Sunday. They have attended one of our classes, our new member classes, and they now face you. And uh, look at that good group of people out there. You get to be a part of that group. There's still time to turn around and go back. No. Um, <laughs> and I would love to introduce them to you. And as I call your name, if you wouldn't mind raising your hand so they can put face and name together, Bob and Joan Dixon. 
over there, and Conrad and Linda Freeman, and Pat Gottman over there at the end, and Martha Richmond here in the middle, and Steve Rao also here in the middle. So welcome them into our life. Now, if you don't mind to turn around and face me, I would love to ask you these questions as you become a part of our mission together. Is Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior? Yes. Yes. Do you trust in him? Yes. Do you intend to be his disciple, obey his word, and to show his love? Yes. And will you be a faithful member of this congregation, giving of yourself in every way, and will you seek the fellowship of the church wherever you may be? Well, by your answering those questions, you have become the newest members of our church and you become a part of this great fellowship of believers uh, coming together in a common mission of loving God and loving neighbor. And we are delighted that you are with us. We look forward to working with you shoulder to shoulder and to have the chance to shine God's light in this world. And so to that end, let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we thank you for these dear friends in Christ. We thank you that they have come from all different corners of the world to be a part of our life here at Church of the Palms. We are grateful, O oh Lord, that through them, your Holy Spirit is already at work, already at work in terms of our fellowship together, already at work in terms of the things that they are doing already in your world. We are grateful, O oh Lord, that you have endowed them with gifts as you have endowed this great church with many gifts. We're thankful, O oh Lord, that when your spirit comes upon us and touches us, that we realize those gifts are to be given toward the work of the kingdom so that we can feed people, so that we can care for people, so that we can clothe people, so that we can shine the good news of God's grace upon people so that they may know that God so loved the world that he sent his only son. So we pray for our world, O oh Lord, and we pray especially for this issue of world hunger. And Lord, we find it perhaps hard to believe in the midst of a beautiful community such as ours that the needs are still so great. And we are grateful, O oh Lord, that you put a seed of concern into our hearts and that you stir us and that you make us wonder, what can I do to make a difference in this world? Not only in Sarasota, Lord, but we're thankful that you give us eyes to see beyond our community to the nation and to the world. For we know, O oh Lord, that hunger stretches across the globe in, much, in many more profound ways than even here. And so, Lord, we pray that as we go into the season of Thanksgiving, as we wonder about all the abundance that we have and how we look forward to a rich and wonderful meal, that you would make us mindful of those that are wondering about where their next meal is coming from and that we might be able to, in our hearts and minds, connect the dots, even as we connect the dots in receiving these new members, that together we can be your people, together we can make a difference, together we can shine your light into this good world. All these things pray, we pray, O oh Lord, in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever, amen. Welcome to Church of the Palms, welcome. Following our, the service, you can greet these folks out in the courtyard as you make your way out there to get some good coffee and sign up for good things and buy some books. You can greet them on your way. And let's now continue our worship through the presentation of our tithes and gifts and offerings.
Bless these tithes and offerings to your glory, O Lord, and bless those who give so that your Holy Spirit will show a special joy in their hearts as a result of their giving. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. And now we're going to ask Carol and the kids to come down. A bunch of junk. Well, those were the boxes that the kids slept in last night. 23 people were out underneath the tree last night. So I'm going to pass it over to our fear, one of our fearless leaders, Libby. We had five teen leaders. Some of us got sleep, and some of us did not get any sleep. <laughs> Yippee! <laughs> Oh, no, it is working. <laughs> yes, we had so much fun at the homeless sleepover last night. As you can see, our beautiful box forts were constructed out there by all these lovely little kiddos right here. And so we got to do a bunch of things besides just sleep in boxes. We got to go to Walmart last night, and we split up into teams of three to shop for Salvation Army Angels, who are kids who don't maybe get as nice of a Christmas as we do, and shop for clothes, toys, hair accessories, all that kind of thing to make their Christmas a little bit more special. And so we wanted to talk to them about what they learned at the uh, homeless sleepover. So our, what was our key verse for the homeless sleepover? Whatever you do unto the least of these, you do unto me. And we learned that homeless people comes, come in all shapes, sizes, and colors. 25% of homeless people are children. We also learned that... Every single person is a child of God. And in what way was our experience just like being homeless? We slept in cardboard boxes last night. <laughs> How was it a little different, though? We had lots to eat, pizza and s'mores, and we had a lot of tape and a lot of boxes. Mm -hmm. We had warm sleeping bags, flashlights, and friends, when, and we knew we could go inside if the weather got bad. And we learned that it means two things to be in the hands of Christ in a broken world. Hands are to help, and hands are to pray. So how can we help? Ring the Salvation Army bell, carry granola bars and water to give away, adopt the Salvation Army angel. Donate money to our food pantry, be kind when we see a homeless person. We all need to do our part to love others.
be seated. So we are continuing in our journey of the narrative lectionary, starting from Genesis and taking our grand sweep of the narrative history of Israel. And we are in the season of the prophets, and we have been focusing on the good word that is brought to the people of Israel, uh, the challenging word, the hard word, the hopeful word that comes to the people of Israel. And today we find ourselves hearing uh, a familiar prophecy, perhaps one that we're apt to listen to at Advent and Christmas time. And this comes to us from the prophet Isaiah, the ninth chapter, verses one through seven. Hear the word of God. But there will be no gloom for those who were in anguish. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the later time, he will make glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who lived in the land of deep darkness, on them has light shined. You have multiplied the nation, you have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as people exult when dividing plunder. For the yoke of their burden and the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor you have broken as on the day of Midian. For all the boots of the tramping warriors and all the garments rolled in blood shall be burned as fuel for the fire. For a child has been born for us, a son given to us. Authority rests upon his shoulder and he is named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And his authority shall grow continually and there shall be endless peace for the throne of David and his kingdom. He will establish it and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time onward and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. By your grace and through your mercy, we pray, O Lord, that you will allow these words to come to point to the word just read and to the word made flesh in Jesus the Christ, for we pray this in his name, amen. God is dropping in the polls. Recent surveys done by folks at Pew Research Gallup, the Public Religion Research Institute indicate that God is less and less believed in. Fewer Americans claim to have a faith in God. The degree to which God is dropping in the polls depends on which expert you talk to. Some research experts say that God's popularity is simply gradually dropping over the decades. Others say the drop is rather more precipitous. But everyone believes that God is taking a hit in the polls. Good thing that God is not running for office God might not get elected. Part of the problem might be that God has an image problem, a public relations problem. It appears that we're not too sure what we think about God. A few years ago at Baylor University, they performed an exhaustive study of God believers seeking to ascertain what they believe about God. Thousands of God believers were surveyed and asked dozens of questions, and the responses led the researchers to construct four views of God into which Americans fall by and large. Four understandings of the nature of God and how God fundamentally works. The folks at Baylor divided up the believers of our country and placed them into one of four categories. 31% of Americans believe in what is called the authoritarian God, which is a God who is deeply involved in our lives and world events and who's angry at our sin and is willing to punish the unfaithful. 23% of Americans believe in what is called a benevolent God, which is a God who is also deeply involved in our daily lives and world events, but largely as a positive force who is not eager to punish us. 
16% of Americans believe in what is called a critical God who doesn't really interact with our daily lives, but at the same time is not real happy with how things are going in the world and will at some point in the future exact justice upon us. And then lastly, 24% of Americans believe in what is called a distant God who does not really interact much at all with our daily lives and world events, takes no pleasure nor holds any anger over what is going on in the world. Rather, God is a rather cosmic force that got the whole thing started and now sits back and watches. Authoritarian God, benevolent God, critical God, distant God. No doubt you might come up with some other designations for God and add them to the list. But no matter how long that list might grow, most might say that their view of God is informed by the Bible. That when I read the Bible, I come out believing that God is an authoritarian God or a benevolent God or a critical God or a distant God. And though we might say that we believe in the God of the Bible, we might discover that each of our gods of the Bible are a little different. And that may say something more about us than it does about God. Or maybe not. Enter one Isaiah. In one of the great prophecies right of the Old Testament, the prophet Isaiah in chapter 9 says, The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelled in the land of deep darkness on them has light shined. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Not one name, but four names. And not just four names, but four descriptive and very different names. Four names that can mean four different things or many different things. I grew up with four names. I'm the youngest of four boys and I always knew I was in trouble when my parents called me four names <laughs> because they would do that classic parent thing when they were mad of running through in haste all the names of the boys until they got to the right name. Trez, Camps, Jim, Steve. And I knew if that happened, boy, I was in trouble. And each of those names, though, in my family meant something different. Well, his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. His name shall be called Mighty God. His name shall be called Everlasting Father. His name shall be called Prince of Peace. Four names. And that's just the start of the list, right? The, the Bible's filled with all sorts of names for God. Elohim, El Shaddai, the Mighty One of Jacob, Adonai, the Shield of Abraham, the Fear of Isaac. Jesus calls God Abba, Father. Moses asks who God is, and God says, My name is, I am who I am, Yahweh. So many names. Why so many names? Well, maybe because of the light. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelled in the land of deep darkness, on them has light shined. What, what color is light? What, what color name would you put onto light? Which one of the colors would you pick? Would you pick red, green, yellow, blue? Well, you wouldn't pick one, right? You shouldn't pick one because light is all color. Light is the spectrum of all the colors. James McBride in his great memoir of growing up in a multi-ethnic, multi-racial family remembers asking his mother, what is the color of God? And his mother replied, God is the color of water. I love that answer. And what happens when you put water into a font? You baptize a baby. And what happens when you put little droplets of water into the sky and shine the light of the sun through them? You get what? A rainbow. You get 
color. Light is not one color, light is all color. His name, the light's name, shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, as if to say this God who shines light into our darkness is a God who seeks to envelop us and surround us and, and take us in with the entirety of who God is. C.S. Lewis said that the whole purpose for which we exist is to be taken into the life of God. It doesn't do God any justice for us to put God into a little box or category. Not one name, not one designation is going to do the trick. St. Augustine, the great 5th century church father, was puzzling once over the nature of the Trinity and was walking alongside a beach pondering this great theological construct of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit when he observed a, a young girl with a bucket running back and forth between the sea and a little hole. And, and Augustine asked, what, what are you doing? She said, I'm trying to put the ocean into, into this hole. And the great scholar realized something significant, that our attempts to fully understand and characterize the nature of God are no less futile than trying to pour the ocean into a hole. God is just too big, right? God is too enveloping, too surrounding, too encompassing, which makes me wonder if one of the reasons why God is dropping in the poles is that we are trying somehow to pour God into some kind of little hole, place God into some little box, packaged up, delivered in bubble wrap, looking just the way we want him to look. And my guess is that people don't want to believe in that kind of God, that kind of God you put into a little box, a category, a designation, a hole in the beach. A God you can do that to is a God who, who really can't be real. I don't know about you, but but I want a God that's real, as real as every single person in this room. Which makes me then wonder if that was the point that Jesus was making when he talks about how Jesus would be present in our lives. Jesus says, I will be with you until the close of the age. How would this light continue to shine upon us? When will we see you? The people ask. Jesus, when will we see you? And Jesus said, you will see me in the people. You, you will see me in all the people. When I'm hungry, you will feed me. When I am lonely, you'll visit me. When, when I am naked, you'll clothe me. When I am sick, you will take care of me. You will see the light reflected in all the faces of the people. You will find my name in the names of all the people. You will know me not only as wonderful counselor and mighty God and everlasting father and prince of peace. You will know me not only as Elohim or El Shaddai or Adonai. You will, you will know me as, as Larry in the hospital bed down at Sarasota Memorial. You will know me as Julie down the street who's going through a divorce. You will know me as as Bob who's standing in line at the food pantry. Their names will be my names. And they will present themselves to you in all sorts of wonderful, beautiful, challenging, and maddening ways. And they will be a joy to you and they will be a pain to you. And they will require every ounce of energy from you as you love me, you will love them. And what can be more real, more encompassing than a God who shows up in the light reflected off the faces of all his people? What can be more real than a God who shows up as a little baby who walks the dusty trails of Palestine and who stops at every turn before the faces and the names of all the little people, people like you and me, and talks with them and listens to them and prays for them and, and heals them and teaches them because, because that's real. It's, it's live. It's in the flesh. And it has as many names as there are names in the world. And it's messy. <laughs> If God shows up in the names and faces of God's people, it gets messy because people are messy and you can't quite, you can't quite put them into a box. It makes me think of a guy who I will call Bill. Bill is, was in one of my earlier churches 
and he was a, a lawyer in one of these high-power law firms in the city, and, and I was a pretty young pastor and not long out of seminary, and I made a decision about something in the church that Bob didn't, Bill didn't like. And Bill was not the kind of guy to hide his opinion. So he scheduled an appointment to come to my office, so he came to my office, and there he just let me have it. Up one side and down the other, unleashed every high-power lawyer instinct he had in him, chewed up this wet-behind-the-ears pastor and spit me out, and then left, leaving me with every imaginable emotion, anger, indignation, humiliation, insecurity. Why did I ever become a pastor? Why does he not take a long walk off a short pier? <laughs> and that stuff doesn't go away, right? And so I spend the next several months, you know, steaming and stewing and steering clear of this guy, humbly praying that God might help him find another church. <laughs> Until about a year later, when one night a knock comes to the door of our house. It was pretty late, and it seemed unusual that someone would be knocking on the door of our house, so I answered the door, and it was Bill, and I thought, oh boy, <laughs> what did I do now? I wonder this until I see tears streaming down his cheeks and the quivering of his lip until I hear his stuttered plea to come in. So I invite him in and sit him down in the kitchen and give him a cup of coffee. And he tells me that for the past couple of years, his son has been in trouble. And the good thing about having a lawyer for a father is that he can usually get you out of that trouble. But tonight he got the call that he had been arrested selling drugs and that he was in jail and there wasn't anything this high power lawyer could do. And that the sheriff said that they couldn't have any visitors except maybe, except maybe his pastor. And so, pastor, would you be willing to come and visit my son? And that's, of course, what we did. God shows up, and sometimes his name is Bill. And sometimes Bill is screaming at you. And sometimes Bill is crying his eyes out in front of you. You can't put Bill in a box. You can't pour him into a hole. He is a name among many names. Sometimes God shows up and her name is Juanita, and the knock that comes is on the door of my hotel room in Honduras. And our mission trip leaders are there at the door to tell me that a young mother whose name I will say is Juanita is in the lobby with her two-year-old and she has been beaten by her husband and not for the first time. And she has to leave town and she has to leave town quickly. And she has with her cousin, with her, her cousin, and the only thing she needs is some bus tickets south. She's heard that there's some gringos in town and could we help? We check out her story, and we put together what Limpira we have, and we buy her their tickets, and we send them into the night to God knows what future they might have. Sometimes God shows up, and her name is Juanita. And you can't put Juanita into a box. You can't put her two-year-old into a box. You can't even put her violent husband into a box. God shows up and his name is Bob, and Bob is standing in line at our food pantry. God knows why he's standing in line at our food pantry, but there is this great big story behind Bob, and some of which we may even come to know someday. God shows up and Teresa, who lives right next door to you, and she lives all alone, and she's not very nice, and she doesn't keep up her yard. God knows why she's alone. God knows why she's not very nice. God knows why she can't keep up her yard. But there's this great big story behind Teresa, some of which you may someday come to know. Why? Because the light shines in the darkness. Those, including us, who dwell in the land of deep darkness, on us has light shined 
And God's name shall be called Wonderful Counselor and Mighty God and Everlasting Father and Prince of Peace. God's name shall be called Elohim, Adonai, El Shaddai. God's name shall be called Bill and Juanita and Teresa and Bob. And with every name and with every person, maybe just maybe arise in the polls. Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with you now and forevermore. Amen.